Welcome everyone to another episode of Kiwi Talks. My guest today was the music editor on the English dub of Dragon Ball Z for quite a significant amount of time, I would say. I'd like to welcome the great Ben Kasparek. How you doing? Hi, Bruce. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for taking time out of your day with the crazy work schedule you must have. I do, I do, <laughs> but I'll tell you, I was, I was going to find time for this, man. This is going to be fun. I'm yeah, excited. Yeah. For sure. So I suppose the, the obvious question is, how did it all come about? Oh, you mean, how did I uh, get into Dragon Ball? Well, um, yeah. And how, you ended up, got us. <laughs> and how you ended so up in uh, Falconer Productions, I suppose. Okay. So there, yeah, of course, there's a story for this. I, um, so I, I was in college in, in, in Orlando, uh, Florida. Uh, at Full Sail. And uh, the first month that I was there, my roommate, uh, he said, hey, we're going to go over to this guy's house that I that I met in class. And, and I said, okay, sure. Sounds like fun. We're going to go to a little party and everything. And we show up to this guy's house and it looks like a toy store inside. And so immediately I'm looking around. I'm like, where are we? What is going on? And this big guy comes up, big jolly guy, and introduces himself as, as Josh. And shows me his entire collection and then we all sit down and we basically watched episode 187 to 191 and it was all over and I was done and and it was done and I was absolutely mad about the show uh and I spent the next couple of years or about a year and a half in college um you know collecting and uh, going around to Chinese karaoke shops and all finding old bootleg VHS copies <laughs> of, of episodes until one day somebody told me it was like, you know, they they make this show in English too. And I and I was like, really? And it's like, yeah, it's actually in Dallas. I said, Dad, I'm from I'm from Texas. I know exactly where that is. And after I graduated, I I jumped in my car, my little Ford Explorer with a U-Haul hooked up to the back, and I drove straight to Dallas, Texas, straight to Cake Mix Studios, and I waited in their parking lot for them to open. And Bruce came in and was like, who are you? What do you want? And I said, my name's Ben and you want to hire me. Uh, and that's basically how it went. He pulled me in and I did an interview and I told him why he needed to hire me. And he agreed. And uh, about a week later, I was in Dallas rocking and rolling, man, with everybody else uh, learning the ropes. Uh, and, and that is exactly how it went down. It was the only job I even, I didn't even apply for it. I just showed up at his, at his uh, parking lot. It was the only job I wanted. I, di I didn't want to go to L.A. I didn't want to go to New York. I wanted to, I wanted to do Dragon Ball Z. And luckily, I, I found him at the right time. They had had an editor that wasn't – it wasn't that he wasn't working out. It was just the whole thing wasn't going very well. And so he brought me in and saw that I was um, Pro Tools competent and uh, had a little creativity with editing. So it just took um, a little bit of time to get with Scott and Mike about um, – the kind of the tone and uh, uh, the system that, that, that they had in place. And man, once I had figured them out, I, we were, we were simpatico. We were absolutely a, a team moving forward, um, uh, kind of creating the show. And uh, you know, I appreciated those guys because they really, they, they really gave me a lot of freedom with their work and their baby. Uh, Cause I kind of came in in the middle and they were like, we trust you. Go for it. And um, it was just it was just an incredible experience to have as a first job. Uh, something I still talk about today, obviously. Yeah, yeah. That's that's an awesome story. I like yeah, that you just showed up at, at Bruce's studio and, was, uh, and just pretended like you already had it. 
Well, the, the funniest thing was is that um, I, I was headed for Funimation, and I, I couldn't find it. This is before GPS. The best I could do was like Yahoo Maps, and I was like, I can't find this place. It's supposed to be in Dallas somewhere. And then, of course, Faulkner and Cake Mix was big on the credits, and I'm like, well, let me. This place is in Dallas somewhere too, and that's where I ended up. And he offered me a job, and I didn't even ever even talk to Funimation until. <laughs> A few months after I had been hired by Bruce. So, uh, yeah, it, it all worked out perfectly. And uh, I couldn't have asked, for, couldn't have wished for a better experience. <laughs> so, so when did exactly did you come on? Like, Do you remember the episode number? I, so I got there, um, I want to say it was around 115. Uh, it, it was Android Saga, Future uh, yep. Trunks had pretty much just gotten there. Uh, I remember when I showed up and did my first interview, uh, Mike was actually working on something for um, kind of like the first scene where you see Cell kind of coming out of the egg, the, the whole, and I'm just sitting here looking at it with my eyes all wide, like I'm looking over at Mike, like, what are you gonna do, man? You know, I'm sitting here watching an episode like that is 30 episodes ahead of what's on Cartoon Network. And, uh, you know, you get a little giddy and excited to watch him work. Um, and then I started a couple of weeks later and, and it took, I took a solid two or three months for them to turn me loose um, solo on an episode. Uh, so I did most of the Android saga with Scott, kind of, um, you know, watching and mentoring and making sure I knew what was going on and what they needed. Uh, but my first episode, I believe, was 137, uh, which would have been somewhere around the Imperfect Cell Saga. Right. Um, and then, uh, of course, I really hit my groove uh, pretty much when pretty much through the Cell Saga. Um, you know, that was that was my baby. Uh, yeah, yeah. So well, that's where I think officially I'm credited. Yeah, I'm credited, I think, officially uh, 156 to 281 or 291. Mm. Uh, but I was there really about the start of the Android saga. Mm. So. so how much time would you spend on each episode when you'd edit it? One week. One week. That was one how week. that was the way the system worked on Monday morning. It was great because I was always the first one in the studio on Monday morning. And there would always be a FedEx there waiting for me. And it would usually just have a couple of video cassettes in it, which would have been a very basic, um, dry um, uh, uh, vocals uh, of the uh, English dub, no music uh, other than the bump music. Uh, and I would, I would be the first person I get to go into my little room and I'd be the first American to get to see the English dub, you know? Uh, so that always made me feel cool. And um I'd watch it all the way through. You know, these were all episodes that I had seen many, many times over, but still got to spot the time codes and everything like that. And then from there, assuming there wasn't a lot, like if there was a big chunk to write, I would hand over to Mike or Scott uh, or later Julius um, to score an actual scene or two. Uh, but mostly I would get anywhere between 18 and 22 minutes of actual edited footage per episode and it would take me a solid week i would i would always push to get done by friday afternoon uh and it was it was always a crunch but that's the way they wanted it they wanted an episode a week so how we would, did <laughs> so how would you uh go about picking the individual tracks to put in specific places because you'd have to sometimes go through the massive library that you'd have and then just what go through it one by one 
Uh, it is huge. Okay, so naturally, as an editor, there were certain things, certain pieces that I would gravitate to. Um, and kind of like I was saying that, that, that there was a, uh, you know, I had to learn the ropes, uh, things that I didn't really notice while I was a fan of the show, watching the show, like, um, like I, you probably have noticed that there's a harp every time there's a flashback, you know, something that I never noticed watching the show. But once you're editing the music, if you watch it without that harp, you're like, something's missing. There's, there's something missing. I don't. And so you got to learn that. And then you got to learn kind of um, whose themes go with who, because Lord knows one of the very first solo episodes that I did, I dared to put Vegeta's theme on something where Vegeta wasn't in it. You would have thought I, <laughs> yeah, you, you, you would have thought I committed murder. Scott came in and was like, can't do that, man. That's Vegeta's music. And I'm like, yeah, but it's awesome. It works well here. He's like, I don't care. He's like, this is Vegeta. Everybody will spot it. Everybody will know. And I'm like, okay, good point. Um, so I had to know, you know, which music went with who, and there were some that were no goes. If it was a theme, uh, you know, Piccolo or, 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 or uh, Vegeta or, or Gohan or anybody else who had a theme song, um, you know, we would try to use it exclusively for those characters. But um, most of the other pieces were short, 15 to 45 seconds, not all that long. And um, uh, you that's you'd be kind of cutting it up to try to match it. And that's that's where Scott and Julius and, 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 and Mike really did an incredible job looking back on it now uh, for them to come in three completely different composers with three completely different styles and three completely different rigs. How did they get the music to kind of sound the same? And, I, mm. and I've learned in later years that they really, really worked on that hard. And it kind of made my job easier because I didn't have to worry so much about whether this fit a tone because it all kind of felt the same. Now, once I got going, there were definitely some tracks that I, I got to admit that I favored. Uh, Give me an example. They're, they're, what, are, what are some that uh, you favored? The Hyperbolic Time Chamber was, oh, in my yes. opinion, the best piece that, that was written in my tenure there, mainly because the drums just kick ass and, and it's just hardcore and, it, and it, it's so it's a long piece i don't i don't know if you have the um the soundtrack that that yeah, yeah, put together yeah, yeah. uh you know it, it is a like a five minute long piece and, and that is pretty rare uh not, not many of the, the the pieces of music we used were that long and it was great because it had a lot of transitions from slow to soft to loud to drums to something with a little bit more strings. And so I was able to cut it up really easily uh, and kind of fit it into different places. It was just a piece of music that had a lot of different parts that I could use in a lot of different situations. So I was always a big fan of that one. Um, you know, and in, also in hindsight, another one of my favorite pieces that uh, did not get used as much was um, uh, Paikohan, uh, Paikon, uh, yeah. in the American versions. Um, Scott wrote an incredible piece of music, incredible piece of music for that. And then the Heavens Tournament was over. And he's like, we can't use it again. And I'm like, it's like one of the best things that you've written here. What do you mean we can't ever use it again? It's like everybody will know. Everybody will know. And so that's, that's why I give them so much credit because they, they really had a, a, a plan, a, an idea in place for what they wanted 
the, 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 the overall kind of tone of the entire show, not just episode to episode, but something that felt familiar to the viewer um, all the way through. And Scott, even knowing that, that that was a great piece of music and, you know, and if I were the composer, I'd want my music everywhere. He was willing to forego it. He was willing to push it aside. He said, I know it's a great piece, but we wrote it for the Heavens Tournament. Now it's done. You know, we'll write something else. And, and I really admired him for that moving forward because, you know, that's, that was a lot of work for something that was only on screen for four minutes and then never really used again. So, um, you I, know, that, um, that, that was... Sorry, I was just going to say, um, yeah. didn't you ask him to extend the piece a little bit or make like a certain section at the end? Oh, well, okay, so <laughs> um, you interview. I watched a little bit of the interview with Scott and Mike and Julius. Um, I don't know if it ever came up. Oh, God, I hope I don't throw them under the bus here. They'll get pissed at me. Um, so they were not really big fans of the show, uh, meaning they loved the show. It was their baby, but they did not watch it before they got the job. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's, that's well done. I, however was a fanboy. I, I mean, I was a straight weeb coming to him in the late nineties. Um, and I came in and I was like, I was able to tell them what was going to happen because mm. that was something they hadn't had before. Um, and so when the heaven, when, when we got done with the cell saga and the little heavens tournament kind of came up, um, I, I told Scott, I was like, okay, you know, PyCon has this thing and it's, it, they don't really do it with any other character where he gets his own background graphics and he kind of does this arm motion thing where, where it's like a special move. And so that's when Scott wrote that kind of arpeggiated, uh, and it was supposed to be just for that little piece. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was definitely a case where Scott was able to kind of put something together before actually seeing um, the episode. Hmm. Uh, so that, that, that came out to help later on because, I was able to tell them, it was like, all right, you see that person right there? Yeah, I know they don't seem important right now, but they're going to be really important. So think about that, you know, when you write the music for them. Uh, but those guys, I, I mean, they're going to watch this. Uh, I, I don't want them to get giant egos. Those guys were incredible. All right. I, I don't, I look back on it now after working in the industry for a long time and with other composers. And now I realize just how how good they were. Um, so talented. Um, and it, it, it was kind of like one of those things where I, I didn't really take it for granted because I had no other work experience, but, uh, you know, they were able to just come in and sit down and just start creating. Um, and it, it was, it was just fun to watch and it was fun to be a part of all around. Um, but, um, yeah, so, but I, my job was to actually give them some insight on the direction of the show. <laughs> so they could <laughs> be kind of let them know. That was so, it. That was yeah, it. So I was like, throwing, no. Throwing a curveball. Yeah. Yeah. When you, when you come in and tell me you're going to write a seven minute long theme song for this guy and I, and I look at you and go, yeah, but he dies in the next episode. So what's the point? <laughs> you know, they, they found that information useful. Uh, so. <laughs> Fair enough. Now I heard that you uh, wrote or you edited, sorry, the piece between Gohan and Sal, the Kamehameha battle. Yeah. Yeah. You did that and no oversight from them or they didn't ask you to make any changes in terms of that episode. Yeah. And that was, 
I totally expect, actually, I asked them, I told them, there's no way I can edit something that will do this, these episodes justice. Yeah. Um, I, I was like, I, I, it's like I, and they did not want to see the Japanese episodes. Uh, they were adamant about that. Uh, I, I love the music in the Japanese episodes. I love the fact that it is not 22 and a half straight minutes of music. And so mm-hmm. they're able to use silence uh, to emphasize a scene often. And so I, I told him before we even got, um, what would that have been? Uh, what, what, 187 or 188, somewhere around there. Uh, yeah. uh, when, when Goku hands it over to sell, I mean, uh, to Gohan, um, I told them before we even got those episodes, it was like, you need to start thinking about what you're going to write here. Cause this is like one of the biggest moments in the show. And they said, okay, that's fine. Why don't you put something together that you think the tone of it should be, uh, the style of it should be that way we get an idea and we'll come in and score over the top of it. And I said, okay, that's fine. And I spent a week and I spent a week putting Pretty much those, the, the transition, I guess, from the end of, you know, how the, the Gohan Cell battle kind of carries over one episode. Uh, and I spent a solid week just on those 12 or 14 minutes. And when I handed it over to them and I said, I think you want it to sound something like this. They watched it and they came out of the room. And they said, we're not touching. It's perfect. <laughs> and oh, that awesome. was a big moment for me. I was, first off, actually, I got to admit, I was mad. I was like, no. No, this is important. You guys are good. You need to write. And they were like, dude, we, we've watched it two or three times. We love it. We think it's perfect. And that was, um, that was a real big moment for me because that, that had meant, you know, these guys valued me as part of the team and, and they, they liked what I did. And, and it just kind of, you know, it, it made it all worth it. So I remember that. You mentioned, obviously, the hyperbolic time chamber is one of the pieces that you're fond of. Was 16 Rips Off Sales Tale another one? Yeah. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. Absolutely loved it. Uh, yeah, there are some other ones. Uh, 16 Rips Off Sales Tale. Um, I also liked Gohan and Icarus a lot for the non-fighting scenes, although Funimation loved to cut that out. Um, they, they did some edits here and there, and there were some mm. times that they, they didn't like that piece. Uh, but 16 rips off cells. As soon as you said it, I was like, yep, that was one of them. Uh, cell runs was a big one. That was actually one that we were allowed to use away from cell because it wasn't part, it didn't have the theme, the cell theme to it. Uh, so I use cell runs a lot. Uh, I think that one is on the first Dragon Ball soundtrack. Yeah. I can't remember. It was a long time ago, but, um, yeah, there were there were definitely a handful that I used in the Cell Saga kind of repeatedly, and I, I think that helped with the tone. the 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 repetition of the same songs kind of gave it a vibe because a lot of those songs we stopped using uh, after uh, you know after Gro- Gohan grows up. Um, once once you know uh, Bobby shows up and 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 Boo and everything. Uh, Julius is there by then, and Julius is just adding his genius to it and so we're running with that and by then we had such a great catalog of, of music that we had the um i guess the uh the good fortune of not needing to reuse any of the cell music as much mm. uh after after we got the new stuff so after julius came in so um you know it was it was nice to be able to 
uh, like people have told me they know when they're watching the cell saga they know when they're watching you know the end of the frieza saga that they can just tell who's writing who's editing uh what pieces they're using and that 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 tells me that not only you know is this show huge and that people actually care but they're actually listening and they're paying attention to what we were trying to do and it's validating uh it just makes you kind of proud yeah so. So towards the end, did it get harder and harder because you had a bigger library of music? Because you hmm. had more options in terms of the editing? No. Actually, no. I'm going to say that the bigger catalog made it easier. Um, the main reason why is I, I just loved the options, especially once we were done with the Cell Saga it really felt like we were starting over. Like we were, we were kind of creating a new tone. We were creating new, new music for new scenes with new plugins. I, I think at some point, uh, uh, Mike bought a, a Roland XP 50 or something like that. So we had some new sounds that we needed to incorporate. It really made it easier having the selection. Um, plus after a certain while, I, I just got faster. Um, you know, when I came in, I was a little, a uh, little bit of a greenhorn, uh, Pro Tools editing and whatnot. Uh, but uh, by the time we got to Boo, you know, it was pretty quick. Um, so that 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 made it a little easier too. Uh, plus, also once Julius arrived, uh, we really had opportunities to score more. Um, we had two, three people in the studio with time to specifically write music to, to specific scenes and that makes less actual uh, runtime to edit. So that made it a little bit easier too. Um, mm. Plus also there, there's another factor is that when I was doing, when I first came on the first year, I was doing other shows. Uh, I was a re-recording mixer for Cheaters and I did um, uh, editing for you know, another show that we had. And so my time wasn't a hundred percent on Dragon Ball Z until after the cell saga, uh, basically until oh. after Julius joined us. And, you know, when, when I didn't have to worry about that anymore, a hundred percent of my time was dedicated to the Dragon Ball. So I was, I was happy about that. Uh, so all of that, that's why I would say that, no, it, it didn't really feel like it got harder as it went on. Did you have much input into the actual soundtracks? Did Bruce ever come to you and be like, what, what songs Absolutely. do you think? Absolutely. I edited, I edited the whole thing. Um, or the, the first one, at least. Or just the first no, one. No, no. The first one was mine. There were a couple. Okay. So Bruce came to me and Mike and said, you know, I want to put this together. Uh, and our, our first concern was, we'll, we'll never fill a CD. We're, we'd have to put 50 one-minute songs one and a half, because that's what we were dealing with. Mm. Um, and uh, so we, immediately, my idea was like, are you sure this is a good idea? But Mike loved the idea. He, he saw it as an opportunity to build on a lot of the stuff that he had written earlier in the show. Mm. Um, so if you, if you, if you uh, pay attention really carefully and compare, go back and listen to um, you know, a Frieza theme or an early Vegeta theme, actually on the uh, original uh, show, on the original air, and then compare it to the soundtrack, you'll spot a little bit of differences. Uh, yeah. Some of them have been stretched out a little bit longer to fill the CD time. And, you know, of course, Mike ran with it. He just saw it as another opportunity to make what he had done better. 
Uh, so he ran with it and was able to build on a lot of that stuff. And we were able to fill, I can't remember how long the first one was, but I think it was close to 50 minutes. Uh, and it, and it was pretty successful. It did pretty well. And so we were, um, we were stoked and, and, and Bruce wanted to run with that moving forward. Uh, it also, uh, allowed Julius, if I remember correctly, to write a lot of music that wasn't scored meaning like I'm going to, I'm going to just create a piece here four, five, six, seven minutes long, just from scratch, not to any, uh, uh, any video. Uh, and we would just kind of take it and see if we could work it in somewhere. Um, Cause he was so fast and, and able to crank out a, you know, a 30 track piece in, in a week, like it was nothing. Um, so he, he was able to really build on our, our, our catalog, um, kind of in a new and unique way. Mm. So. so would you, uh, request specifically like to Mike, like, oh, Hey, you need to make this track longer or to Julius, you need to make this track longer solely to put it on this, on the CD. Short answer is yes, but never after they had gotten going. Uh, okay, right. so for instance, take like the, the PyCon, uh, the, the Heavens Tournament. You know, I'm telling Scott before he has even seen an episode, before he even knows what PyCon looks like. I'm trying to explain to him, this is who this guy is. This is his attitude. This is kind of his demeanor when he's in the show. Here's some of the cool moves that he does. And, and here's what's gonna happen over those three or four episodes. And then once Scott goes and starts writing and starts getting going, I, I zip my mouth because those guys are freaky talented. And mm. I just can't ever remember them producing a piece of music where I would, I would fire it up and, and sync it to time code and watch it and be like, no, that's all wrong. I, I, it just never happened. Uh, they, they really seem to kind of hit it out of the park once they got writing, uh, once they got going into, into the actual music. So, yes, I did give them sort of advice or, or requests or tell them what they can kind of expect or which tone to take. But once they started writing, no, they, they are the composers. They're the talent. Uh, <laughs> so I left it to them. <laughs> yeah. There's a, a bit of a weird question I have, but there's an episode called I, I'll Fight Two during the Great Sandman uh, saga where Gohan he's he's saving a plane and it took place shortly after 9-11 do you yeah. remember editing that was that was that hard to edit okay so no and I don't and I think the reason why is because that was right before 9-11 um, right. Now, 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 don't get me wrong. I, I mean, everybody remembers where they were when that happened. Um, and I remember mine. It was I, I was on my way to work. I was actually late. That's what it was. I was late and I knew Bruce was going to be checked at me. Uh, so I'm, I'm already mad. I'm driving in. I'm trying to listen to music, but they keep talking. And I'm like, every station, they're just talking and they're just talking and they're just talking. And I finally get there and it's about, you know, 10 minutes after eight or whatever, and I go in trying to sneak in the back door, but nobody's there. I'm looking around. Bruce is in his office. Mike's not in his room, nothing. And they are all in a back room huddled around the only television in the studio that has cable. Um, and they were all watching, and I walked in the room right as the second plane hit. Um, and we watched it 
for about 30 or 45 minutes. And then Bruce said, go home. We're canceling the day. And we all went home and that was it after that. Um, but if I remember correctly, we were already past say a man in that situation. Um, oh boy, I thought you were going to ask about episode 200. <laughs> that's the one that's been following me around my whole life. Uh, I think that's the one where um, Gohan goes to school. Yep. Uh, Funimation came to me and said, we need this episode in 24 hours. Or actually, what I should say is Bruce came to me and said, Funimation came to him and said, we need this episode in 24 hours. And I was livid, of course. It's like, you're going to get crap. You're going to get an absolutely crap episode. I can't do an episode in 24 hours. And he's like, well, you're going to put something together. And so I created, you know, begrudgingly, you know, cursing under under my breath. I created uh, all these long kind of long monotone tracks that go on forever. And whenever I talk to big time DBZ fans, they're like, what's up with that episode where he goes to school? I'm like, dang it. So <laughs> like, yeah, it's completely different. And I'm like, yeah. So when you said say a man, I'm like, crap, here it comes. <laughs> oh, well, well, sorry. Oh, that wasn't what no, I was, no. I was being, uh, But But then, hey, I didn't even know, to be honest. I didn't even know. Like, when I think about the soundtrack for that episode, I, I don't remember... But then I'm not Good. a bit of an anal retentive when it comes to that stuff, probably compared to some Dragon Ball Z fans. So, uh, Yes, and I've met some of them. And they're, they're fun. They're fun. <laughs> I used to think that I was a big DBZ fan. No, no. Uh, I actually got a student in my class right now who... Good Lord, he knows stuff that... He knows stuff about people that I worked with for like three weeks. You know, it's like, well, did you ever work with this guy? Uh, you know, kind of such and such. And I'm like, who? And I'm like, oh, yeah. And they're like, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how the hell do you know this guy? Um, you know, and he's telling me stories about um, some character actors that, that are getting fired or some voice actors that are, I don't know, uh, uh, hitting on girls and getting fired and all this. And I'm just kind of looking at him like, man, you, you, you pay way too much attention to this stuff. <laughs> But he's a super fan. And what's great is he's 16 years old, man. This is nothing has made me more proud than the fact that there is a whole nother generation mm. that is watching this show. And, and it just, and I'm showing it to my kid now, my son, you know, he's, he's 11. And, you know, he's, I'm like, this is it. I finally get to do it. I, I have a son that I can watch Dragon Ball <laughs> with. And, and we're just loving it. And so there's an entire, this is going to go on for another generation. And I, it just makes me proud. It really does. Yeah. Well, you got something to be proud of. Like it's it's an amazing accomplishment. I Thank mean, you. It, Thank and considering you. the strict deadlines you had to work under as well. It was. And and you know that that was pretty common in the industry. Yeah, um yeah. that you know, we tried to keep it as low stress as possible, but it's that's almost not possible to do. Mm. Um you know, we, we, we got into a point where, where we got into a groove that we could crank out an episode in a week that would that we'd be willing to show people. Um, you know, what's the old saying? An, an episode is never done. It's never finished, but it always has a due date and mm -hmm. it, it always has a deadline. Uh, so, you know, Friday at four or five o'clock, we just kind of had to look at what we got and look at each other and say, is this something we even want Funimation to see in here? And if the answer was no, then Bruce had to get on the horn 
say we need a couple of more days. Um, but it, it rarely did. We were, we were pretty able to, um, to groove and, and, and connect and, and get an episode done in, in five days. Uh, pretty, yeah. Pretty Bruce, Bruce contributed uh, quite a bit during the cell saga, didn't he? Cause he jumped in and he, and he composed a few songs, didn't he? The answer to your question is no. No, Bruce had very little to do with the show. He did, um, didn't he do like three songs though, like Goku Dies, Cell the, Junior he, theme. Uh, uh, um, he did. He he got into the Garlic Junior saga a little bit when Scott first joined us, um, and of course he wrote the intro, um, uh, the opening credits music. Yeah. Uh, brought in a, a studio guitarist and everything, um, and then you know when it was just him and Mike. Uh, the first episodes after after they got rid of Ocean and picked up uh, Bruce, you know, he he did throw himself into it. It was it was his first contract that I know of on um, you know for his recording studio, his production company. So of course he threw himself into it, and he he couldn't have had a better hire in Mike Smith. That's for sure, right off the bat. So I know that Bruce was very very involved in those first episodes, but once we got going, you know he. He had a studio to run. He had other other shows that he did. He had business to drum up. He had bills to pay. He had, you know, to run the recording studio. And so I think that once he felt comfortable with Mike and Scott and me uh, kind of running with it, he let us do that. And mm. he, um, it got to a point where I, I know that um, Bruce would have liked to have been involved more, but it didn't make much sense after 50 or 75 episodes of, of, you know, Mike and Scott and, and then Julius, um, if he came in and wrote something, it, it, it would sound different. It would uh, not fit the, um, the kind of mold that we had created. And he agreed with that. He, he said, you know what, you're right. You keep doing that. I'll go work on this side of the business over here. Hmm. Um, so he, he didn't have a lot to do with it. But at, at the same time, you know, it was his baby. He got the contract. He got he got it from Funimation. He kept it going uh, for us all the way to 291, all the way to the end. Um, and, uh, you know, that I, I, that was his big contribution um, is that he kept the lights on and the roof over our heads so that so that we could make this show that, that was really important to us. Yeah, well, recording studios aren't cheap to run. Especially not at this time. You know, he... I don't know if he still has that studio, but it was gorgeous, Reese. I'm telling you, it, it was a real treat working in that studio every day. Um, but it was getting into an era where, you know, the internet was blowing up. Um, we were to a point where why do you need to spend four or 500 bucks an hour on a recording studio when you can drop five or 10 grand and put one in your bedroom? Yeah. Um, and that, that was really starting to impact the industry um, so, and I think, I think it was also, uh, you know, really hard on Bruce too, because he had a new competitor that he didn't anticipate. It, it was the home studio, mm. uh, which as we know now is, I mean, it's, it's here. You don't, you don't have to be in a, in a Chung King or uh, an Abbey road to, to, to make great music these days. Um, so it, it was unfortunate that, that his studio was battling with that. But like I said, he always he always kept the lights on. He always kept the doors open, and he always made sure that 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 we had what we needed to get that show done. Hmm. Something I wanted to ask you was in regards to the Gohan Super Saiyan theme because it's basically Goku's, but it's backwards, in reverse, somewhat. You know, I was about to. Say, I was like, man, you're making me want to pull it up and listen to it now. Like, 
I hadn't thought of that. Well, I'm, I was just wondering if that was intentional, that is, but maybe it wasn't. <laughs> I'm going to say no. I don't know. Unless, unless Mike or Scott knows something that I don't know, I, I, I can't really think. Did they say anything about it? Because no, I'm not. I'm not thinking that that no, was they, intentional they at all. No, they haven't said anything to me. It's just no. Uh, I um, that's interesting. Oh, I'm totally gonna go home and listen to it again now. <laughs> uh, but I had no, I hadn't thought about that. Um, Gohan's music, um, and this was, uh, I believe, Scott's idea. Or Scott is that we we really wanted to tie Gohan to Piccolo more than. Goku, especially for the end of the Cell Saga, you know, he Piccolo's training him at the end. He's got Piccolo's gi on. He's got his outfit on, um, you know, and there's, you know, a lot of fans out there that would probably agree with me when I say that Piccolo might have been a better father figure than his actual dad. I think I, think um, I agree. So there were there were a lot of the same um, uh, plugs the, the you know uh, sounds and, and and instruments that were used in Gohan's music in the Cell Saga that were also common in Piccolo's music early, especially in the Frieza Saga, um, and I think that was Scott's idea. Um, actually, I'm not 100 percent sure. Maybe I ask him about that. I mean, I suppose whenever a character would be on screen, that would be an easy moment for you in terms of the editing, usually because you could just chuck in of one course. of the character themes. Yeah. Uh, assuming that that it was that character's moment, um, you know, um, it, it's um, it, the scenes were if they were driven by a character, like um, you know, since we're talking about like the end, the Gohan defeating Cell, you know, everybody's there, right? They're all standing on the rocks in the background. We're constantly cutting back and forth. You know, Yamcha's probably going to get a butt kicked at some point. You know. Uh, uh, the cell juniors are going to come and, you know, just kind of make it interesting. But really when you think about it, it's all about Gohan. Yeah. It's all about Gohan. Even though we might be cutting back and forth to, you know, Yamcha getting his butt kicked again. Uh, it's still always all about Gohan. And, and we would definitely try to continue the music to whoever the driving character was. But yeah, I got to admit when, when, when you know that it's about to be nine minutes of Gohan kicking butt, yeah, it gets a little easier to pick the music. <laughs> <laughs> was it sometimes jarring though when you'd have to do like a quick cut from an, yeah. an intense moment to like Mr. Satan? Infuriating. Yeah. Absolutely infuriating. Um, and it's hard too because Funimation really wanted us to emphasize what we called hits. Um, this would be uh, an impact of a fist or, or uh, a moment like when they make those funny faces or something like that. And they really wanted us to emphasize those moments with the music as opposed to a sound effect or something like that that, that may or may not have existed. Um, and yeah, it was very difficult to, to take you from a fighting sequence to a funny Mr. Satan face back to the fighting sequence and to do it all in like four seconds. Yeah. And it kills, it kills the momentum. Um, and that's another reason why I, I, I like, oh, let's see, how do I want to put this? I'm proud of what we did with the requirements, meaning we have to have music under the entire thing. 
Because mm. I just was always a believer that, you know, there's three parts to audio. You got music, dialogue, sound effects. And if you got all three of them going at once for the entire show, then, you know, how do they emphasize and, and, and help each other out and complement each other? Um, and that was that was definitely what I felt was like going back on it. I wish Funimation would have changed their mind from the beginning and just done something uh, seven to ten music, ten minutes of music per episode uh, to allow us to create moments of tension. Like if you watch the Japanese episodes, some of my favorite moments are when maybe they're at a battle scene or a fight scene out in the mountains. And it'll be doing that pan across the ground and there'll be no sound, no music, but you'll hear whoosh, and there'll be like a little wind. And I always thought it was like, oh, here we go. Like we're about, we're about to throw down now. And I just felt like it, it really built the tension for a scene. And it's hard to do that when the music doesn't ever ebb and flow. Uh, it's just constant throughout the entire thing. So it, it, it was tough to keep the music and the, and, and the emotion going and the tone going, but at the same time, make sure that everybody laughs when Mr. Satan makes a funny face or, or something like that. Um, so yeah, it was, it was one of the more difficult parts and, and there's nothing more infuriating than watching the same six seconds over and over and over and over again and just being like, I hate it worse. I hate it more. It's worse, you know? And, but, and then you release it to Funimation and they're like, Oh, it's great. And I'm like, crap <laughs> so but you know that that that's the beast that's what you got to work with um what's the old saying don't let perfection get in the way of good enough uh so yep it's a good analogy it's a good analogy yeah there, we <laughs> there are often scenes as well where you'd have like a panning shot so there'd be no dialogue yeah you'd get like the wind and but that might go on for sometimes like 10 or 15 seconds sure. and i suppose in those cases you'd have some sort of ambient piece to try and complement yes. that scene? Uh, kind of uh, tonal, like a little bit more long tone pieces. Yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think of the, the name of the one. Um, there was actually some Shenron, um, uh, All the dragon Shenron theme. music. Yes, the dragon yeah. themes that had a lot of long drawn out strings and, and, uh, and chords um, that it, if you know editing, it's, it, those are always so much easier to edit because if I have one long tone, I can splice it right in the middle, you know, elongate it, stretch it out to exactly the length that I need it to be. And you're never going to know the difference because it's just the same tone over mm. and over and over again. It doesn't change. It made it really easy. Um, but the, 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 the harder part was how to transition out of that into the dynamic music. Uh, Cause once again, you got to have music under the whole thing. So the transition needs to not feel forced, but at the same time, it, it, it's got to happen. It's got to change the, the emotion uh, that it's watching on screen. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's a little tricky at times. There you get was, better at it as you go. There's an episode, well, the final atonement, I think it is with Vegeta before he self-destructs and you've got, <sighs> one theme that plays i think almost like half of the half of the episode but the fact I, of the matter is you're talking works. about major the major vegeta scene the, the theme yeah, yeah, that still yeah, makes me cry just, today yeah yeah he's just he's just kind of standing there and there's there's not really much dialogue in a lot of it um and there's just almost like it's on loop like a particular piece that you've just got on loop but it works yeah. 
But I know that, exactly the piece you're talking about. Yeah. Um, was that it, always the concept? Was that always the yes. idea that you had? Okay. So for me, yes, but I got to admit, I met, I met with resistance at times. Is that, like I was saying about how one of the things that I liked about the Japanese um, um, versions is that they, they, they don't have music underlying the whole thing. And so sometimes I would try to create situations where the music was almost so monotonous or, or so... Um, you know, almost boring that you wouldn't notice it. Mm. Um, I like, I, I don't want the viewer to really pay attention to the note, to the music here. I want the viewer to pay attention to what Vegeta's saying, or maybe what's just happening on screen. You know, he doesn't have to be talking, but there were times that I just felt like the music doesn't need to be front and center here. It needs to be buried because the important part is what he's about to say. Or, 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 or the big fight sequence that's going to happen. And I would do that every now and then. And there would be three, not so much Julius, but Bruce, Scott, and Mike would, would usually have a comment about that. Like, <laughs> hey, what, why did you put this here? It's just the same note for 64th seconds. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes they would make me change it, and sometimes they wouldn't. Um, but yeah, no, that, that was definitely my intention throughout the entire thing was that if I do have to put 22 and a half minutes of music in here, how do I make it ebb and flow so that we can accentuate or we can focus on dialogue or something else as it's happened? Um, you know, because the music starts competing with everything else on the screen and, and you're, you're going to have this, uh, you know, cluster uh so to speak uh, of that, that 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 kind of just takes away from the whole dynamic of the show so yeah i definitely was trying to um allow dialogue or sound effects or even the visuals to take precedent where i felt that it was most important mm. as a fan yeah. you know because my opinion my opinion mattered right yeah people people actually cared about my opinion <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well i think i think a lot of people care about your opinion. I, I certainly after, do. After the, after the fact. No, no, the people who were signing my paychecks didn't care about my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, one of the things that I think the English soundtrack or the English version of Dragon Ball Z got a little bit better than the Japanese version is in terms of, like, the music for the emotional scenes. Like, they hit, like, really, really hard. Um, also something we intended to do differently. Um, you know, the Japanese themes, first off, almost all of the music in the Japanese was recorded back in the mid eighties, yeah. late eighties, I guess. Um, you're talking about, they, they recorded it on half inch and one inch reel to reel, uh, old analog. So the idea of editing that music, they were, they were cut and splicing. So they wanted to make it as, or I, sorry, strike this. I assume. I assume they wanted to make it as easy on themselves as possible to edit. And I actually think that added to the Japanese episode in ways because there wasn't hundreds of different pieces of music that they used. It really was the same, you know, half dozen, six or eight, eight recognizable, familiar songs. Um, but when we did the American version we we were told we we want the music to take more of a role in in the american versions and you know cuz artists are artists that you know they went nuts with it and so yeah we we intended to make it more 
comedic in moments that it was supposed to be comical and we were trying to make it more um um uh, i guess dynamic in the fighting and and, and more uh sensitive or emotional when it was um you know kind of a sad moment um we definitely wanted the music to lend to the emotions that that, that were on screen whereas i don't feel like the japanese version was, was um intended on doing that so mm. but yeah absolutely we um we wanted the music to not dictate but at least complement the tone on screen the the, the visuals you're seeing as yeah. opposed to just being in the background yeah fair enough did you ever walk in on julius or scott or mike while they're composing and just all the time just just uh, sit there just sit there absolutely and, uh, all the time uh and and they were all different uh like for instance uh mike he worked in the dark i don't know how he did it i, I mean you'd go into his room and it would be pitch black except for one little lamp you know with like a five watt bulb in it or something over there and then his computer screen just making his face glow yeah. Right. And, and where and then he turned to you and his eyes would be like all red because he's been staring at a computer screen for four hours in the dark. Uh, but that's how he worked. And it was always one of these things where I, I, I could come in and just kind of sit there and watch him for a little bit. Um, but mostly, I, I got to admit, Reese, I I didn't want to hear what they were working on until until they, they gave me the hard drive. You know, and yeah, that's how long ago this was. We actually used to have these gigantic SCSI 2 hard drives that 20 gig, right? 20 gig hard drives and they weighed about 10 pounds and we had to carry them from room to room. But that's what they would do when they were done with a piece. They would literally hand me their hard drive and I'd hook it up to my, uh, my rig. And that would usually be the first time that I would hear, you know, what they had done all the way through. But yeah, you know, I would go and listen into the door kind of, um, kind of, uh, He's like, okay, what's he, what's he? Oh, yeah, that sounds right. That sounds good. Uh, Mike used headphones, which was annoying because uh. I'd never get to hear it through the door. Uh, <laughs> Julius and Scott, you you could hear what they had going on more often. Uh, and you know, of course, Julius, uh, Julius, his, I mean, his his composition skills. You know, we're talking about a theorist here, a musical theorist. The, the guy was brilliant. Bruce brought him over from. Um, I believe it was hungry hungry yeah yeah hungry uh and and he was i mean, just so talented um but you know he he could have 30 40 tracks layered all together on 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 a, on a 20 second piece i mean he was he was insane at how complicated the stuff he was doing um uh but yeah you know i i used to love going and kind of just listening to through the door to what he was working on because he always had the ns10 blaring uh no headphones he wasn't a headphone guy so i always got to kind of hear what he was doing plus we uh he he shared the the wall with me um so i i, I got to hear it through the wall a little bit uh <laughs> pretty much the whole time we were there together so you would have heard super saiyan 3 before you knew it was super saiyan 3 thing that would have been right yeah i um let's see super saiyan super saiyan 3 it was geez it was incredible how long did he work on that I'm thinking about it. That that was one of the best pieces he came out with. I mean, it was just incredible. Um, yeah, no, no. That particular one, I would have known that's what he was working on for that scene. Because um, like I said, Julius would write more without scoring 
to the actual uh, episodes. So he would write these big symphonic pieces that we would just, they were so good, we would find a place to put them. But yeah, Super Saiyan 3 was one of the ones that he scored specifically. Uh, so I remember he, uh, yeah, I would have known that that's what he was working on. He worked on it for a long time. Uh, I think it's obvious because it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, it's absolutely brilliant. I mean, if you see someone doing a medley of Dragon Ball Z themes, that theme is always in there every single time. Yeah, as it should be, as yeah. it should be. It was that, to me, that was Julius's stamp, meaning like, Haha, I'm here. You're not getting rid of me now. I just, I just put my indelible ink on this show, and I'm staying to the end. And he was, yeah, he was, he was incredible. Uh, but yeah, that was definitely the moment when we looked over at Julius and was like, yeah, this guy, this guy's the real deal. Yeah, yeah. you know, he's, he's a superstar. So, so was that would have been uh, easy to edit, I suppose, that episode with the music. You know, I'm head, trying to think if I, I actually don't think I edited that episode. Really? There were a bunch, yeah, there were, a, not a bunch, but maybe a dozen in total that we either handed off to somebody else or Julius took the editing. Like, Julius edited a few at the beginning to hone his Pro Tool skills. Right. Uh, I mean, he, he had lots of gear. He knew signal flow. He knew what he was doing. But Pro Tools is quirky. You know, you got you to gotta figure it out. Um, and I do remember him, like I would, I would do every other episode pretty much starting around episode 200. Um, but once, once Julius had shown us that his true value was in scoring and composition, uh, he stopped editing after that. Um, actually he did a lot of the later shows, uh, editing. Uh, but, uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't think I edited the rest of that episode. I think mm. Julius took the whole episode, but I'm happy. But I, you can see me looking up. I'm trying to remember now and I can't. Uh, you're kind of a hodgepodge by then. Oh, well, yeah. Crazy. I suppose everything just blurs, particularly because it's been so long as well. Uh, yeah. And there's, a, there's a, also a little bit of um, like I got there, thir- like, so Mike was there first. And then I believe Scott came in. Yeah. Frieza, somewhere around there, Garlic Jr. I came in. Yeah, I came in somewhere around Androids, and and Julius came in somewhere around the beginning of of Boo, or or really that's when he started working on the show um, um, exclusively. Mm. Because Julius was also brought in to do a lot of jingles, commercials, things like that, the other jobs that Bruce had had, had, uh, wrangled up. Uh, but once again, after he proved himself as a composer, we were like, you're going to be hundred percent DBZ now. Uh, and that, that was that. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm trying to think, I don't think, I don't think I did that episode or at least that's what my brain is telling me right now. Yeah. So final, final question before I yeah. let you go. Uh, was it jarring for you once DBZ ended and you moved on from there? Wait, are you, are you saying like as a fan? Wait, wait well, ask no, me as a fan, you... as, in terms of the editing, like when Dragon Ball Z finished and you were no longer editing it, was it was it bittersweet? Was it oh, hard to accept? Yeah. Like, yeah. what was the vibe? Uh, yeah, it, it, it was downright sad. Hmm. Um, it, was, it was like gut punching because we knew that we weren't getting GT. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'll be honest. We knew we weren't getting GT a long time before <laughs> the show ended for various reasons, for yeah. various reasons. Um, I also knew that my time with Bruce was coming, was going to be over. Um, I, I came there for Dragon Ball Z. Dragon Ball Z was ending. And so I was bailing. Um, I ended up, yeah, it, it was very bittersweet. Uh, but it, de- it never stopped me from being a fan. Um, like I said, I, 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 I've been absolutely, this show has been a part of my life now for 30 years almost. <laughs> and uh, uh, 25 years at least. And, um, you know, like, a, like I said, this is how I started. That one VHS. <laughs> bootleg copy from a Chinese karaoke stop. Uh, I mean, this has been such an important part kind of of my life that uh, that that yeah, it, it was it was painful when it ended. But, you know, I, I went on and I did other things and um you know, I like I said, like I was saying about Bruce is that um he gave me an opportunity that is something I'll have with me my whole life. This is uh, the most, uh, probably the greatest job I've ever had. And I didn't even know it at the time. Um, It it was uh, truly a life experience. Yeah. It's a great way to end it. Well, Ben, this has been a pleasure. I have a huge amount of respect for you. Thank you, sir. Thank you. You're a jack of all trades. And I don't think a lot of people know that because obviously you did the music editing, but you're also like a lawyer and you've done landscaping and you're a teacher. <laughs> Just seems like at this point you can do anything. Superman. I, I, I have, I have. And I'll tell you, Reese, I appreciate you and so many others like you that keep this show going, that love this show as much as I do and all of it. And, and, and what you're doing is, it's really important, man. And like I said, I got a student here who knows who you are. I'm like, really? And uh, he's like, yeah. Like, yeah, he's the Kiwi Talks guy. And I'm like, how do you know that? You know, <laughs> so well, you're obviously reaching people. Uh, you're obviously reaching people. And like I said, you're keeping the show alive. Something that's important to me and important to a lot of people. Mm. Well, it's a brilliant way to end it. Ben, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, sir. Yes. Okay. Well, that is the show, everyone. Make sure you share, like, and subscribe. And until next time, stay safe. 